accurate blue-collar theology to shield the mind, body, and spirit. This is Full Armor Radio. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the program. And we are back with another episode Full Armor Radio discussing the Belgic Confession. And normally, for those who have been listening to the podcast for quite some time, will know that my my standard ho- co-host is usually Mike the Boise Baptist, Lewis. Uh, Mike is was unable to join me today, but um, I do have another co-host with me today, a special guest. Now, those of you who have been listening to the podcast for quite some time might remember, or if maybe you went back into the archives and you found the episode, you might remember that there was an episode we did. It was a uh, Beautiful Feet episode. It was one of our sort of pastor, uh, pastor ep- pastoral episodes. And I had my pastor, Vinny Hanke, uh, on with us. And Vinny has graciously decided to join me again here on Full Armor Radio. So, Vinny, thanks a lot for being here, man. Hey, buddy. Good afternoon. Thanks for letting me uh, come back. I, first invitations are always nice to get, yeah. but it's the second invitation that really counts. Yeah, be, that, because that means you didn't screw it up so bad <laughs> that you weren't invited to return. So I, I am super humbled that I got a second invitation to be on Full Armor Radio. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen often. So yeah. consider yourself lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hashtag blessed if you're out there listening. You know why it doesn't happen often is because usually my guests don't want to come back. So oh, that's I, doubt that. <laughs> I, I doubt that very much. Come on. <laughs> okay. Well, last time you were on the podcast, we actually i I was able to rib you about a few things. Uh, yeah, I was able to. Yeah, I made fun of you for because uh, you're a huge Dodger fan, huge Dodger Laker fan. fan. Yep. Uh, so I was able to make fun of you for uh, both of those teams' fake championships. That's right. Um, yeah, because they, they just won the the fake those fake championships. That's those fake ones over uh, there. Those, yeah. <laughs> the short ones. The COVID seasons. Yeah, the counterfeit trophies they have in their trophy boxes. <laughs> they may be real, but, you know, they didn't put in much work. Well, <laughs> not as much as everybody else, certainly. Oh, and one of the things that I also rib you about, uh, it was I, I joked about you being a baby baptizer. I but yep. the thing is, is... Uh, egg on my face because, that's right <laughs> because i have succumbed to you the have. traditional reformed covenant theology perspective of pedo baptism yes sir uh so that's that's a tick in the w column for you my friend yeah if you're a star trek fan out there this will ring true to you resistance is futile so <laughs> i just played the long game and waited patiently and bore with your grief and, and knew that, that god would slowly draw you to himself <laughs> okay so- Apologies to all you Reformed Baptists that are still listening. That's right. Uh, if you're still you're, listening. Yeah, if you're still listening, maybe right. not anymore. But. That's right. That's Pastor Vinny at VLCC Idaho. <laughs> yeah. I don't argue with you. Like this. Exactly, Respond. exactly. Yep, send all complaints. That's way. right. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, today we're not talking about <laughs> baptism. Not for very much longer, anyway. No. We are talking about Article 2 of the Belgic Confession. So, something I want to go back on, because uh, I actually didn't mention it in my last episode that I did in Article 1, uh, but I talked about a little bit in the introduction of the Belgic Confession, and uh, it was the idea of the, the structure of the hmm. confession. And, you know, I, I had mentioned that... Um, in the intro, that every good Reformed systematic theology has what has become known as the six loci. 
of mm-hmm. systematic theology. And so that is your theology proper, right? The study of God, uh, your anthropology, which is study of man, Christology, study of Christ, soteriology, the study of salvation, ecclesiology, the study of church or church order, and then eschatology, which is study of last things. So um, articles 1 through 13 of the Belgic Confession uh, are addressing theology proper. So the study of God, who, who God is, uh, how he interacts interacts with his creation. Uh, and so in Article 1, we saw a lot of the attributes of God. Um, in Article 1, Debray, the, the writer of, of the Belgian Confession, uh, mentioned his the the simpleness of God. I spent some time going through what is divine simplicity, uh, talking about how God is one, one, uh, how he's a spiritual being, he's eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, immutable, infinite, almighty, perfectly wise, just, good, and the overflowing fountain of good. So we talked a lot about those attributes, and we didn't dive into each one of them with a lot of depth, but we did go through some of them and uh, some of the corresponding um, scriptures uh, with those. And so now today in Article 2, we're going to be talking about general and special revelation. Um, General and special revelation, often these have been referred to as the, uh, what theologians have referred to as the two books, the two books of the knowledge of God. And so these are the uh, the the two means uh, by which God makes Himself known to His creation. Uh, book one is has been called the Book of Creation. Uh, so this is general revelation. Uh, book two has been called the Book of Scripture. So this would be the special revelation. And so what I'd like to do is just kind of start uh, by reading the article. And then we can kind of talk about some comments. Now, I'm going to do, there's kind of sort of two sections here uh, to yeah. the article. The first section is addressing uh, general revelation, and the second section is addressing uh, special revelation. We're going to read that first section first, uh, and then uh, we'll kind of make some comments on it and and then go from there. So, um, actually, do you have it there, Vinny, the first? Uh, I do, yep. Up until it says, leave them without excuse. Yeah. Kind of read up to there. Okay, perfect. If you want to read that for me, that'd be great. Yeah. Article two of the Belgian Confession, the means by which we know God. We know him by two means. First, by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe. Since that universe is before our eyes, like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of God his eternal power, and his divinity, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. All these things are enough to convict men and to leave them without excuse. I like your version. So that, that version that you read uh, is out of the one of the ESV Bibles with the creeds and confessions in yep. it. Yeah, so this is the 2020 <laughs> ESV Holy Bible edition with the creeds and confessions. Yeah. So we've got a little bit of the updated language Yes, um, with all the introduction of footnotes. I really back. like the wording choice that they have there because the one that I'm looking at, this is uh, Three Forms of Unity, uh, and uh, it's just a small book. And it has, it, it uses the original 
language that that Debray used, so it's a little more wooden. Yeah. Um, so I really like that. Um, so uh, just first thoughts as you're kind of reading through that there, um, what are some things that pop out at you uh, in that? Yeah, I, I think it's the the necessity of God to make Himself known to us. That, that this isn't a self discovery project. This isn't a uh, inward search for the Creator that we look to. This is something that, that God revealing Himself is something that's external to us that is is required. So as as we are creatures and He is Creator, um, it, it begins in the right place that the world around us testifies to his existence and that that is a necessity for us to understand who God is. It's not something we can find looking toward an inward truth or an inward reality, that it's something that the existence of God has testified to whoops, uh, in the external uh, outside of us. So that, that strikes me. And then um, I always appreciate the both the, the thoughtful and the courageous manner by which Debray writes. Um, that is, he, he's putting pen to parchment with purpose to articulate his faith so that's the thoughtful part. And then the courageous part is, is he's writing at a time where he's suffering for the faith that he believes in. Mm. And I'm willing to say some things. <laughs> uh, I'm willing to maybe text some things and maybe even tweet some things. Um, but putting pen to parchment, like writing it down and assigning my name, that that says something that, that carries with a level of accountability. And mm-hmm. so for him, uh, I just appreciate the the tone, the thoughtful and courageous tone with which he puts in this confession. It's Right yeah. from the beginning. Here's what I believe about God and who God is and how he's revealed himself. And then he, the last thing I would say is initial impression is he pulls no punches. Yeah. Like right here in article two, all these things are enough to convict men or humanity and leave them without excuse. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and I was going to say in, in regards to, you know, say, saying some things and being brazen, the co-host that normally fills uh, your chair, he's he's a little more willing to... to oh, yeah. To, he gets, yeah. yeah, he gets after it. Mike, I'm, yeah, you follow Mike on uh, social media. I, I do. Oh, yeah. Mike's a flamethrower, man. I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a little less so. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think that when we look at all of these confessions... Uh, whether it's the Belgic, where it's, you know the Belgic takes um, largely after the French confession, uh, which was uh, Calvin's confession, but then later on, <clears throat> um, uh, you had well maybe even earlier you had the Thirty Nine Articles of the Anglican Reformed Anglicans, but but later on you had the Westminster, obviously, right? So all of these uh, all of these men were taking great. Uh, <laughs> They're facing great danger in in yep. making these proclamations, yep. right? Because they're going directly against – we think of, uh, you know, I mean, obviously today we have in, in – praise the Lord, in the United States of America, we still have a lot of freedoms uh, to be able to say uh, these things and, and proclaim uh, the gospel and, and whatnot. But at that time, uh, these men were – were breaking away from the Roman Catholic Church, which the Roman Catholic Church at the time was not just a church, right? I mean, they had temporal power, right? You know, they yep. they had the power to jail people, to to kill people, right? Yeah, they they were the hand that wielded the sword of the government, right? Right, like the yeah, right. And then in and the only other option outside of the Roman Catholic Church was the Anabaptists, really. Mm-hmm. And and the Anabaptists, you know, so, you know, that's why a lot of the the Protestants 
the reformers took great pains to say, we're not either of these. That's right. right. So we're yep. not, we're not the Roman Catholic church. We're also not the Anabaptists. Right. Yep. Um, and so you think about all the martyrs during that, the, that time, you know, you had the time of the inquisition, uh, you had, uh, you know, the stories of men like Tyndale and yeah. all these guys that, you know, really paid with their life. Yeah. Debray himself, right, will yes. eventually become a martyr within exactly. a few years after the publishing. Um, the the preamble to the Belgian Confession, those are my favorite things ever, where Debray says, we will offer our tongues to knives, our backs to stripes, mm-hmm. and our bodies to fire mm-hmm. before we will deny these things yep. contained in this confession. Indeed. I just, yeah, dude. I'm, mm-hmm. Right, right. That's yeah. another level. It is another level. It is another level. Okay, so. Back to Article 2. Back so. to Article 2. So, in this first section here. He's essentially saying that creation itself proves of a creator, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there is a quote that I found from who else? John Calvin. And, uh, and he says this, and I, I just wanted to read it directly because I love the way that he, that he puts it here. He says, um, the glory of God is written and imprinted in the heavens as in an open volume, which all men may read. The glory of God is not written in some small, obscure letters, but richly engraven in large and bright characters, which all men may read and read with the greatest of ease. Yep. So the heavens and the glory of creation declare the glory of our God, right? Is this a safe place to articulate theories? Yes. Okay, so uh, if you're listening, Matt, what... What does every screensaver on every computer you've ever had start with? Or what what options are out there for your screensaver? One of them is almost always this serene picture of creation, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a lakefront view with mountains, you know, reflecting the crystal glass of the water, some faraway distant place, even my Apple TVs, when they come Mm -hmm. up, what do they they come up with this big long drone shot of this faraway exotic place? It's beautiful in creation. And for me, I, I think that's a symptom of, of what the confession is getting after in that creation is testifying to the reveal of the, the, or the presence of the creator and the existence of the creator. And so part of the reason why we look to those serene spaces in our screensavers and in our calendars and in other places where, when, we're, when we're encumbered with work and stress, our mind longs for a smallness of self. Mm. And it's creation that testifies the existence of a creator, reminding us we're a creature, but there's someone out there who's created all this beauty, who's mm-hmm. created all this place. And so our our longing for the serenity of creation is actually a longing for the knowledge of the creator. Yeah, those things. That's my theory. Anyway. Yeah. So. Well, indeed. Yeah. Well, in in the, you know another thing too to kind of keep going with that and playing off of that, you think about um what you know whenever we experience something that's good Mm. and we go, gosh, that is so great. And the, um, the feeling is I wish this would never end. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. And it's sort of that what God has put in us where we long for eternity, right? We're created for eternity. Right. And we long for, eternal things. Yep. And so that feeling of like, this is so good. Yep. I wish, I wish this would never end. Yep. The Kodak and, moment, mm-hmm. right? Kodak was on something. And then it's everything. It true. And because, because that's in everyone, right. It's yeah. not just within the regenerate. 
yeah. within the unregenerate as well. Not to get too far off course, but do I need to qualify Kodak moment in 2022? Uh, you know what? If there's, if I think anybody that was born pre, what would you say? 2000? I think so. Would know, but post 2000, maybe, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So if we have any real young listeners, they might not. Yeah. I don't know if you want to. A Kodak moment, in, in, to translate, a Kodak moment <laughs> is that moment that you're living in when you whip out your phone and take a picture. Yeah. We couldn't all do that at one time in our lives. We all had right. to have a, 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 a physical camera with physical film in it. Mm-hmm. And Kodak was a large production manager. So yeah. their ad campaign was find the Kodak moment and your camera would be ready for that yeah. super special moment. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So. <laughs> Insert millennial footnote here. <laughs> okay. So we've heard. We've obviously talked uh, and given our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calvin, we get, got Calvin's thoughts. Uh, let's look to the greatest authority, uh, higher above anything, that is God's word. Yes. And so in Romans chapter one, and actually while I'm doing this, if you want to find Psalms 19. I'd be happy to. Verses, we're going to look at verses one through six in a moment. But let's look quickly at, uh, before we go there, to Romans And we're going to look in chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse." So obviously, Debray just borrowing right straight from Romans, yep. saying, "Look at creation itself is proved of a creator. God has shown it to them. Uh, it's it's right there in front of them since the creation of the world, and they're without excuse. Uh, no one can say. You know, you've heard. Uh, you know, obviously, we we all know that an atheist would say, "I don't believe in God." But have you heard the phrase, uh, "God doesn't believe in atheists." Yes, I have. Yes, <laughs> because because atheism is you. It's not that you you an atheist doesn't believe in God. They they know there's a God. They're yep. just suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. Right? Yes. Yep. The denial of his of his existence. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. yep. Okay. So uh, let's look to Psalm 19 verses one through six. I know it's slightly lengthy, but if you might mind reading that for yeah. us. Yeah. Psalm uh, 19. The law of the Lord is perfect to the choir master. A Psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It is right... Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. Okay. So he is speaking uh, about uh, the heavens. He's speaking about creation itself. He's talking about the sun. Uh, it set, uh, has set a tent for the sun, right? So he's talking again about uh, creation in almost like a, you know, there's anthropomorphic sort of language here going yeah. on, yep. and but he's talking about cr- the creation uh, declaring the glory of God. So again, back to uh, what we've been talking about here about uh, creation itself proving of a creator. And so, um, what I love actually 
uh, verse three there. He says, uh, there's no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Right. Yep. And yep. so there, there's not there. It's the, the, um, creation is loud. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, creation is loud in declare. It's not, it's not just, it's just declaring the glory of Lord, the Lord. It is loudly declaring it. Right? Yeah. If, you, if you're watching uh, TV and, and it's a really intense, quiet moment, creation is the kids yelling and screaming right behind you. And you're like, quiet down back there. It's so loud. That's yeah. creation. It, Indeed. It screams to the testimony. Uh, it reminds me of Psalm 14, one, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Yeah. Uh, that's connected to here, Psalm 19, because mm. creation is testifying to his existence. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Okay, so um, one of the things that uh, that Debray, uh, that the Article 2 mentions there at the, as uh, that first sentence, okay, so uh, we know him by two means, first by the creation, uh, preservation. Okay, so preservation. So this idea of preservation, uh, God preserves uh, creation. And um, I wanted to take a look at Colossians. And this is Colossians chapter 1. And this is in verses 16 and 17. It says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And then here it is, verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So that part right there, in him all things hold together. You think about just um, the, the simple act of taking another breath. Yep. If God were not holding all things together and preserving his creation, we wouldn't even be able to do that. I mean, it wouldn't be physically possible. Yep. Yeah. I think um, to talk about the old arguments for the existence of God, but you think about the creation is not like the, like a watchmaker who makes a watch Mm. fits it all together, all the components and then puts them in the shop and then never sees it again. Right, the deist God. Yeah, he, yeah. He, that that's not our that's not the God revealed in the scriptures and in creation. He's a God who is actively preserving and providentially providing for the existence of the universe. Mm-hmm. He's he's uh, he's both transcendent that is he exists outside of it, but he's also imminent. He's in the midst of it. He works mm-hmm. in it. He's he's active in it. He he holds it all together. I have this word picture um, from physical science class in tenth grade. We were talking about like centripetal force where. We put water in a bucket and then you grab the handle and then you spin the bucket mm-hmm. around and the and yeah. the force just presses the water and keeps it in together. It holds the bucket and the water together. For me, that that's Jesus. He's the centripetal force of creation. Mm-hmm. He holds it all together despite the chaos of sin, despite the effects of the fall. Jesus is knitting and holding all things together and preserving it under his good and godly guidance. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the next uh, thing that is mentioned there. The next word is government. So um, first by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe. So I want to talk about this idea of God uh, governing creation. It says in, um, this is in Acts 17, and this is verse 26, and he, God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So in God's governance, we see God's sovereignty, 
right? Yep. Uh, God determining uh, what would happen, when it would happen, how it would happen, and uh, putting boundaries around all of that, right? So uh, you think about you know, disastrous things that happen, right? We look at those things and we go, oh my gosh, that's just, you know, whatever, whether it be um, forces of nature that, you know, tornadoes rip through or hurricanes or thing, diseases, COVID, right, right, yeah. <laughs> whatever it may be. Um, uh, when, when disastrous things happen, uh, knowing that God is governing all of that, in control of all that, and he's put boundaries around it, he has said, you can go this far and no further, right? Yep, yep, yeah. I think about um, the personal hope that that brings to the lives of human beings, mm -hmm. right? Like, remember the old West, uh, the guy in the white hat looks at the guy in the black hat and says, your days are numbered. Mm -hmm. That's terribly encouraging to me. My days are numbered. Yeah. God knows exactly, specifically how many days he has given to me. Yeah. And he is actively and intimately governing over my life exactly, specifically what's going to happen each day. That's a beautiful yeah. pastoral truth that means everything that happens in my life, good, bad, ugly, mm -hmm. beautiful, it has been determined by God. And so I can receive it from him mm -hmm. because if we go back a, an article, because of his good nature mm -hmm. and his power, I can receive even terrible and, and difficult things in faith and in trust. It doesn't remove the emotional response to it, but it does temper it with the hope that he's governing. It's not out of control. Um, to go all, to bring a Kuiperism in it, right? There, there's not a square inch of the universe under which the Lord Christ does not cry out, mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Okay, so <clears throat> thinking about the purpose of general general revelation, uh, what is the purpose of uh, general revelation? Um, and I would say that um, the purpose is to kind of put it simply, if I could here, and I'd certainly love for you to chime in here, Vinny, but to prove the existence, the purpose is to prove the existence of a creator and reflect his gr glory. Yeah. I think, I think that that's a, that's a great summary of this uh, final section in, in the first, the final sentence of the first section is mm -hmm. that the creation exists to make us ponder the invisible things of God, namely his eternal power and his divinity, mm -hmm. right? Which, which ultimately is a reflection of his glory. So I think it's, it's, it's to call our attention to the existence and to the glory of God in in this far as we can surmise the attributes about right. him, right? Which are limited in, in general revelation, but it is his right. power. We think of the mountains, the ocean, the natural, even natural disasters, like just the power of creation can testify to the power of creator. If those things are powerful, imagine how powerful is the one who made them mm. and then his glory, right? right? From the magnitude of the universe. I mean, think about free of light pollution, which we've created with the advance of, of technology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you get out camping and you look up into the sky and, and you, and you see the beauty of the stars, like, mm. like just his glory, his beauty, his creativity. I often teach my kids this when we're talking about, or when we camp in creation, like 
you realize like God could have done all this in right angles and black and white and shades of gray, right? <laughs> yeah. But instead, in his beauty and creativity, he's given us shapes and colors and textures and how many different pine trees and pine needles are there? Um, the the beauty of the and diversity of the animal kingdom, right? Like think about the giraffe's neck. That's not a mistake. That's on purpose right. uh, compared to the you know the oval size, size shape of a hippo. These are all things that that force us to contemplate the attributes uh, and the divinity of the invisible creator. Mm-hmm. You think about the uh, the um, first question of the Shorter Catechism, Westminster Shorter Catechism, right? What is the chief end of man? Yep. To glorify God yep. and enjoy, enjoy him. him forever, yep. right? And part of enjoying him forever is also enjoying his creation, yep. right? And and you think, you know, the transcendentals, right? The... the um, uh, truth, beauty, and goodness. Oh yes, sorry, truth, yes. Truth, beauty, and beauty, and goodness. Okay, yes. but the beauty part, right? The yeah. beauty, delighting. Yep. Delighting in what God has done. Yep. Right, and and that's His creation takes part in that. Yep. Right? Okay, so I think it's important to also mention what is not the purpose of general revelation. So, what is the purpose? What does general general revelation not do? So it does reveal God as creator, but what it does not do is it does not reveal God as redeemer. Yep. It will not bring us to a saving knowledge of right. the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. As hard as I focus on a tree out in the middle of the forest, I will not come to the knowledge that 2,000 years ago there was a Jewish carpenter who claimed to be God who was crucified upon a tree right. in my place for my sins. Correct. All right. So it gives us co- sort of the... the um, the understanding that there is there is something out there that created all of this, right? It can do that for us. It can we can look at it and say something must have done all of this, must have made all of this, right? There must be, uh, and that something is is God, right? And that we, we all sort of there's you know I think some poll I was reading not too long ago, um, you know ninety seven percent of people believe in some higher being, right? right. And so. And, and that comes from general revelation, right? right? I mean, most people, I mean, the atheists are certainly not the majority. They're a very, very small mi- minority. And so most people think of in some, there's some sort of higher power, right? Yeah. And so um, it's enough to give them that knowledge. Something made this. But the depth of our sin and that there is salvation through God's Son Jesus Christ cannot be surmised from creation. Yep. Yeah. The first book only gets us so far. Right. So we need the second book. So we need the second book. And that leads us to the second book, the book of scripture. So we're going to le- read the last section of article two here, and then we'll make some comments on that. Do you still have that available? I still do have that available. As a matter of fact, if you go. could read that for me, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, we call that a segue, folks, if you're paying attention. <laughs> Second, uh, from Article 2, he makes himself known to us more openly by his holy and divine word as much as we need in this life for his glory and for the salvation of his own. Yes, indeed. So, this is the book of Scripture. This is special revelation. And this is the book 
the this book. This is book. the book. Yep. That this is l- quite literally the book. Yep. <laughs> but it is the book that that reveals God as redeemer through his son uh Jesus Christ. So actually if we go back to Psalm uh 19 there, you were at Psalm 19, you read verses 1 through 6 to start. Uh but uh if if you have it available there, I'm wondering if you might be able to actually continue on reading uh, verses 7 through 11. Because in in that first section that you read, verses 1 through 6, we, we saw the kind of the general revelation piece of it there. But now uh, the psalmist is going to go into the law of God or the scriptures, and we're going to see sort of the special revelation piece here. So 7 through 11. Yep. Picking up in Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. You have a wonderful reading voice uh, in the microphone. And a face for radio, I'm told. Yeah. No, no, it's very soothing. Oh, thanks, I, I, I'm hoping that our listeners are actually still awake. You might have put them to sleep. <laughs> you're welcome. You know? It's like a voice. You can listen to that, you know, while you're falling asleep at night. It's yeah, like I, could, I could publish one of those That's Spotify good. playlists. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. to sleep by. Yeah. You know what? I think you should give uh, James Earl Jones a, a run for his money on the oh, Bible reading thing. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah That'd you be, should do it. I could, I could get commercials on Fox News, you're saying? <laughs> Indeed. Okay. All right. So... Here's what I love about this. So we've now flipped, the psalmist now flips talking about the law of the Lord. Now we see uh, the law or AKA the scriptures in several different areas here. So right off the bat in verse seven, he says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Okay. Well, guess he's still talking about the same thing when he says the testimony of the Lord is sure, right? It's the same thing. The precepts of the Lord are are right. The commandment of the Lord, this is all the same thing he's talking about here, right? Law, yep. testimony, precepts, commandment. Yep. Okay. Um, he goes on to say, the rules of the Lord are true, right? Um, and uh, uh, let's see. Oh, and he talks about, oh, in the very end, he says, so, okay, we've, we've said rules, commandment, precepts, Testimony, law. Am I missing anything there? Uh, not in regards to the word. We get verse okay. nine, the fear of the Lord, but that the fear that that's the response to the you know the, the law and the words right. and the okay. Rules. Mm-hmm. So so all of that leads to now. This is going to get me down to verse eleven. All of that leads to it says in keeping them. This is the last line. Yeah, there is great reward. Okay, well, the reward. Uh, that comes, I mean, we can say many things about what the reward is, but the reward is the Lord himself. Yep. Uh, it is salvation. Uh, it is eternity, right? Like yep. 
the it's it's heaven right like yep. the reward is great now i can't possibly obtain that reward by just looking at creation and surmising oh wow there's there's a creator because yes there is a creator right but but how do i get to that creator yeah right how do i come to know him right not just that he exists but come to know him exactly Exactly. And so we get that from his law. And we see uh, here that it says um, the in uh, verse eight. Uh, so the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Yep. Right. So the law of God or the scriptures uh, create enlightenment. Uh, in verse seven, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So the so uh, it is the scriptures that bring wisdom. Yep. Right. Um, now I'm going to make a claim here. Okay. I'm ready. And, and you push back. I will. If you, if you think I'm in er, I'll do my best. If I think you're in er, that's E E E R R, not you are. If you're a Bible (laughs) nerd. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I'm going to go out out there on a limb and I'm going to say that all scripture is about Jesus. No pushback. You will receive no pushback. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Okay. And and here's the thing is if you're gonna offer pushback, I was gonna, I was you're gonna ready. hit you. I was yeah. gonna hit you with the word of God you're again. <laughs> I like it. Well, let's say for argument's sake, then I'm ready to push back. But certainly, come on, Brandon. Not all of Scripture is about Jesus. Mm. Well, you know what? You know who would know best about that would be would actually be Jesus. Is himself. it Jesus? Yes, I think Jesus yeah. himself actually. Yeah. Because so I'm gonna take you right now to John chapter five. Okay. Okay. Ready. So Jesus is speaking to the Jews at this time. Now the Jewish people, they are um, these are these are these are good Jewish people. I mean, they yeah. search the scriptures. Yep. Okay. They they read through that stuff. They study it. They mes- memorize it. Uh, I mean, they they these are these are great Jewish. I mean, it'd be like. You know, a good Christian today, you yeah. know, that does all the right things, right? Goes to church and reads their Bible every day and prays and all that stuff. Subscribes to Rick Warren's podcast, all of it. Yeah, all of the all, all of the things, things you have to do to be Christian. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, listens, he wears the T-shirts, has yep. the bumper sticker, yep. listens to you know, the fish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Jesus says in John chapter five. Verse 39, he's talking to the Jews. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me. I rescind my argument. (laughs) (laughs) All scripture is about Jesus. And and, um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but I mean... Yeah, I, it's pretty clear. Yeah, I think <laughs> just a couple of things, you know, a couple of things you think about the scriptures in John 5 that Jesus references is the Old Testament. So it is yeah. what those Jews were reading, memorizing, and living uh, and abiding in. That was their scripture. That was the their time. scriptures yeah. uh, at the time. Obviously, we have the New Testament today. Um, I think also uh, Luke 24, 44 is a great uh, accompanying verse to that because Jesus on the road to Emmaus tells mm-hmm. his disciples that uh, everything I've said to you uh, has come to pass and is true um, and, and that all things testified about me in Moses. So the law, the prophets, and the Psalms mm-hmm. is coming true. Uh, and so I think just to reify or, or, or to support that claim that 
ultimately the the word of God, the law of God is meant to point to and lead us back to Christ, the Messiah, the the Redeemer. Even the the confession gets to that. It says, uh, God will make more openly by his holy and divine word the knowledge of himself to us as much as we need in this life for his glory and for the salvation of his own. So the the, the word of God is meant to point us to the salvation of God's people. And we, we're pointing to the salvation of God's people by pointing to the Savior himself, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Indeed. Indeed. So the revelation of Jesus as Redeemer uh, in Scripture is necessary for salvation. Yep. That's that's what, uh, the, as you said, creation and the revelation that there is a creator only brings us so far. Yep. Um, but when we come to Scripture, we realize that we have a great need uh, because our we have great sin. Yep. And and we don't realize we we don't really know the bad news right. until we get there, right? Which was which was the purpose of the law. Yeah. Right. The Old Testament law um, was to show. Uh, that sin existed. It's not like sin didn't exist until the law came into place. Right. Right. The sin was there and the law revealed the sin, right? Because yep. so the law was good yep. in that it was a great teacher and it, and it revealed the sin that was already there. Yeah. If you, as an illustration, if you remember when you were junior higher and you woke up this morning, forgot to check the mirror. So you go to school and then by glance, you check a mirror in the bathroom and you realize there's this big gigantic pimple on your nose <laughs> It was there the whole time. Right. The, the You just hadn't checked the mirror yet. Right. That's the purpose of the law of God. It, yep. it, it acts as a mirror to reflect what is what is ugly, what is broken, what is mm-hmm. lost, what is separated uh, in our nature by sin. Right. So we desperately um, need the special revelation of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. as Redeemer. Uh, I like the way you be- put that because ultimately – Jesus is the special revelation of right. God, right? He is the, Correct. if we go back to that Colossians verse, he is the image of the invisible God. Right. So as we talk about special revelation, first and primarily, the, the most special revelation we have is Jesus Christ. And then the right. word points us to that special revelation in Jesus Christ. Right. right. Exactly. Well, because if, if we stay there, it, at general revelation, again, we just get to just a God and maybe it's just the, it's the deist God, right? right it's yeah. just kind of the, the watchmaker it's, there's a kind of a guy up there and he made all this and he set it into place and he put it in motion and off, off you go and good luck. Um, uh, but when we get to, when we, when we get to scripture, we, we realize uh, how intimately involved God is with his creation, us included in that, right? Obviously, yeah. as his creation. Um, so much so uh, that he was not willing to leave us in our natural sinful state. And so he sent his son, uh, the image of the invisible God, right? God in human flesh, yeah. to this earth in order to live a perfect life, which was important so that he would obtain perfect righteousness. Yep. The reward that we read at the mm-hmm. end of Psalm or in Psalm 1911. Right. Right. Indeed. The reward that we receive at keeping the law, Jesus is 
Jesus receives that reward on our behalf. Exactly. He clothes us in that righteousness. So importance of the perfect sinless life of Jesus died on the cross so that it would go the other way. (laughs) He would take our filthy rags upon himself. Right. And rose again necessary because without that, there's no hope of eternity. There's no hope of heaven. But now because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the hope of the same bodily resurrection and eternity with him. And we know that he is ruling and reigning uh, right now in heaven on the throne, seated at the right hand of God the Father. And that's important because of the uh the pres the preservation and, and the governance. Government. Yep, yep. <laughs> right. And we're back at the beginning. <laughs> exactly. He's governing, uh, and he is causing uh, through his, um, through his governance, through his. Um, I'm thinking, what's the p word? I'm missing here. Preservation, providence. Providence. He is providentially guiding uh, all of history uh, towards his ends. Right. Yeah, I love. Um, I was going to read one last um, uh, scripture here, just because I really love this. You know, thinking about uh, how uh, you know Romans and and just Romans one, what we read uh, about how we have kind of blurred and suppressed the the knowledge uh, of God in our minds, yeah. right and uh, even after general revelation, we continue to do that. And so we desperately have this need for uh, special revelation. And uh, I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 119. And this is in verse 25. And I will read only verse 25 because it actually goes on and on and on. And I could just actually keep reading yeah. <laughs> because it's all applicable. But I would suggest that the... Uh, listeners read through this uh, when they can. But verse 25 of Psalm 119 says, My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Mm. And you think about that, right? My soul clings to the dust, yep. to the dirtiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Give me life. Yeah, the argument of Romans 7, right? Paul says, that, why do I do the things I hate? Mm. Right? Or... Uh, I was on a call today and someone talked about the the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Yeah. Yeah. From the uh, tax collector and the uh, Pharisee, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, hey, Vinny, I really appreciate you taking the time, man, to uh, join me and be my my sit-in co-host on this episode. Um, It's been a real pleasure and uh, look forward to hanging with you again sometime and, and having you join me. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. As again, just humbled by a second invitation to come back. And <laughs> though there's not as much flame in my game as Mr. Mike Lewis, uh, I do appreciate the opportunity to, to try to keep his chair warm for <laughs> those listeners go. out there. There you go. Well, really appreciate it. And, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Full Armor Radio. Just thank you uh, to all the listeners and for your continued support. And we will catch you next time when we dive back into the Belgic Confession and discuss Article 3. Mm-hmm.